Welcome to Take Note. This is a podcast about keeping a notebook and paying attention. My name is Adam. I am here with my buddy Ted. Ted, what's new? Baseball season is upon us. Spring training feels somewhat normal. Very excited. I'm very excited. So that's new. Where where can you watch the spring training games? You can go to Florida or Arizona. Or you can uh, pay a sum of money to the good folks at Major League Baseball, and they will uh, allow you to watch uh, games over a streaming service. Just in case you don't have enough streaming services <laughs> in your life, you can add one more to the equation. A friend of mine uh, uh, recently suggested we we were he he recommended uh, Ted Bundy. What's this show called? Ted Bundy, I think it's called. <laughs> Everybody loves it. Married with children. Yes, married with children. Ted Lasso. Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso loves this show. Greatest show ever. It's on Apple TV. Do you know that Ted Bundy is a serial killer? Yeah, I don't know why he loves the show so much. He's a okay. sick guy. He's a sick guy. Yeah. Um, oh, Ted Lasso is about a serial killer, <laughs> like a simple Midwestern serial killer who moves to London to uh, start killing there and um, warm the uh, dead hearts. I wouldn't know. I don't have Apple TV. Uh, okay. So he says to me, dude... You gotta rotate those things, those streaming services. <laughs> and I thought, my God, why didn't this occur to me? The rotation seems brilliant. The reason I asked about uh, where you can watch spring uh, training games is because I saw some sentence in something about uh, spring training that made it sound like maybe the Spring training games were streaming for free, which seemed impossible. And then I just couldn't find any information about it. And they, then I, yeah, they, they then I gave up. They tend to, they will do a game of the day that they will let you stream for free. Usually it's one. Uh, they, I think they might even do that in the regular season. It's a way to, to drum up interest. You know, give them a little, give them a little, a little dose of the old national pastime, uh, and you'll just, you'll just want more, and you'll. You'll fork over the cash to be able to watch that uh, fourth string double A outfielder strike out in the bottom of the seventh inning, which will be the last inning of the game because it's a weird abbreviated spring training. It's marketing, Adam. It's really quite simple. (laughs) If you're watching the game, are you uh, connecting it to a big monitor or do you just watch it in your browser? Uh, It's a combination. Uh, Pretty flexible. I'll just, you know, I'll throw it on. Actually, I've got a TV in one room, so when I'm working, I can put it, put a spring training game on. It's kind of nice they're on during the day, which is not yeah. the case during the regular season. Uh, but it's a it's a catch-as-catch-can kind of a situation. Well, this is not a podcast about catch-as-catch-can situations. This is a podcast about keeping a notebook. And so, uh, Ted... What have you written in your notebook this week? What do you got? Well, funnily enough, uh, this was a quote from my eight-year-old child as we were watching baseball. She turned to me at one point and said, huh, one of the announcers is named Rich King. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Don't you start talking about those royals, Adam. Okay. I got I enough of that coming in. Oh right, yeah. Oh, you mean my thoughts on the uh, on the Royals? Yeah, yeah. 
I have a lot of thoughts. Kansas City. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I got it. You like the powder? You've always been partial to the powder blue uniforms. I know. What do you mm-hmm. What do you got? Up? All right. I wrote a uh, just saw some girl in yoga pants ordering her iced coffee with light ice. It reminded me of a buddy of mine who used to pull this move in high school and claim that he uh, was going to choke on the ice. I've heard heard him once tell a waiter that he could choke on the ice, um, but really he just wanted to make sure that he got the correct soda quantity that he wanted. But unlike Unlike my high school buddy, he uh, this lady in her yoga pants, she uh, then asked if she could pay for the iced coffee with a hundred dollar bill. Uh huh. And then, so it just it just kept getting so that I thought to myself, huh, that wasn't my buddy's uh, move when he was asking for light ice with his soda. Um, but then, while they're making her coffee, she turns to her friend and she goes. Oh my God, on Friday, I am going to get my first paycheck. And it is my first paycheck ever. At which point I realized that this girl was um, getting an allowance in $100 bills. I loved all of it. That's so weird. Yep, uh, yep, yeah, yep. No, Would it you... have been weird if I had told the girl in yoga pants that she reminded me of my buddy uh, Josh in high school and that I knew that uh, she was just concerned she wasn't going to get enough uh, iced coffee? Yeah. That would have been a bad move, I uh, think. Jo- yeah. jo- instead of a $100 bill, I think Josh was, he would put 100 pennies on the counter, if I remember <laughs> oh, Yep, that's right. That seems, yep. Uh, seems like the sort of uh, hilarious high school shenanigans that we might have gotten into. I am fully in favor of, I will, I'll go no ice in a soda and i'll tell you why okay a more soda b, okay b yep. that was that was josh's thing <laughs> b, b that soda comes out of that machine just crispy ice cold you don't need ice in that thing yeah oh it's i had no idea it's fantastic these are the sorts of things that people are coming to take note for. And you don't get it. Your soda doesn't get watered down. You're not sitting there right. with a third of a thing full of pointless ice. I discovered this at one point, and I felt like a king of the world. I felt like a rich king. <laughs> well, well, rich king, uh, what do you got? All right. Let's see here. Uh, this is another baseball. Clearly, baseball is starting to rule my life. Uh, I watched uh, some some shenanigans from uh, the world's most famous baseball mascot, and I wrote down, the Philly fanatic just showed more adherence to CDC guidelines than your average softball dad. Uh, after a, a cameraman went for a fist bump, and the fanatic threw him an elbow, and I thought, Man, there you go. That's leadership right there. That's leadership. That's... Philly Fanatic probably won't have to do that during the regular season, though, at least for the home games, because I'm not sure that uh, the CDC wants any jurisdiction, wants any of Philadelphia under its jurisdiction. <laughs> I think well, the, they, they, they Philadelphia up, exception. They rigged up the costume so that when the tongue retracts back into the snout, it actually disinfects every time. So it's, <laughs> you're figuring it out. What do you got, Adam? All right, uh, this is not funny, but uh, but okay. I wrote it in my notebook and I, I really liked it. Um, as opposed to all of the other what are you gots that I've ever done, which are always hilarious. <laughs> I was uh, up late reading the science section of a magazine 
And uh, by the way, read magazines backwards. Like the interesting stuff is, I don't know, read magazines backwards. That's my little magazine hack. But uh, the science section was in the back and I wrote, uh, German scientist Marcus Vogt has created a hydrogen goop, which they also call a power paste that stores hydrogen energy better, that stores energy better than hydrogen gas. So there's the suggestion that uh, we may, as a future energy yeah. source, see hydrogen power paste. I love that. And, and they actually put it in tubes. I think tubes much bigger than toothpaste tubes. Um, but yeah, that's how they'll, that's how you'll get your hydrogen energy. Like a big giant tube full of. So I was on a walk power paste. with, uh, my six year old son and he, uh, he was in a mood. Wasn't the, wasn't the most idyllic walk of all time. And he stopped at one point at a real estate sign on a vacant lot and with his bare finger, just started squish, squishing his finger into some sort of goo that had gathered on this real estate sign. <laughs> and somehow... Uh, you think it was hydrogen? Somehow <laughs> a world in which more goo is accessible is not <laughs> appealing to me right now. Right. That's all. That, is, that is fascinating. Power goo? Um, what do you call it? Power goo? It, well, it's hydrogen goop, goop. or Sorry. power paste. Power paste. And... And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about it on the show is because, you know, there is a lot of trending goop news. There's lots of goop news in the style section. But if you want hydrogen goop news, you either go to The Economist or to Take Note. (laughs) And I I would also recommend that you listen to Take Note from the end back to the beginning. (laughs) All the most interesting stuff is... uh... Yeah, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty snooty suggestion I gave that people should read their magazines backwards, but but I believe it. Uh, so Ted, I understand that you have sort of a light segment that you would like to surprise drop in on me, <laughs> and that I will cheerily discuss yeah. um, as though it was not planned. I do not know what this light segment yeah. is. Well, the, I, I I it's I can't go wrong because it's uh, <clears throat> to discuss a podcast that you yourself have previously recommended on the show. And that I, I disregarded your recommendation until only very recently, yeah. uh, which is That's Marlin. That's because I told you to listen to it backwards. Which is Marlon and Jake read Dead People, which is yeah. uh, Marlon James, the writer, and some his editor named Jake. I'll never remember his last name. Um, and they do a podcast where they talk about uh, certain genres of books and old, you know, classics and mythology and fables and. I'm not all the way through it, um, but I'm loving it. Marlon James is, is just a delightful human. We've actually covered him pretty, pretty in depth, I guess, when he he he's done some uh, kind of everyday carry type blog posts. I think where he runs through. Yeah, I think when yeah. the Red Tiger. Oh, what is that book called? Is it Red Tiger? Yeah, White Leopard. Uh, something something. Yeah, I really like that book, and then I liked his previous book with Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Uh, when that came out, there was, he was doing a lot of press. And so I think we talked about his tea preferences and his notebooks. And I, I, when this podcast came out a year ago, I tried to get them to be more specific about his, uh, aggressive, but vague tea recommendations mm-hmm. on the verge. And I, I did not get an answer. I, d- I think I did get an answer from the editor 
who said that he would try to see if they could bring it up on the show, but it doesn't fit the show. Yeah. Where they talk about books by dead people. Well, this, see, this is why I knew you'd be interested in it because you were already interested in it. But uh, I, I've enjoyed it so much that I started reading uh, the book by Marlon James that I had in my house, A Brief History of Seven Killings. Which takes yeah, place, that's great. Yeah, in the 70s in Jamaica. It's really good, loving it. Lots of different viewpoints. I, I'm, you know, it's a... It's a giant tome, and there's lots of different mm-hmm. narrators, which is not usually my wheelhouse. But I am really just letting myself off the hook. I'm reading it. I'm enjoying it. If some detail is is vague, I'm just you know what? I'm just gonna fly through it. And uh, that's I think exactly how you should do it, and just not worry about you know it's written in accents, and there's gonna be slang that I think as you read the book, you start to understand what that slang means, maybe half of it. And in my case, half of it, I never really, uh, I could never translate it really, yeah. but it, it all works. It's well, good. And now the, the fun little twist <clears throat> uh, in the, the kismet of the digital world, um, the Broken Record podcast, which I've enjoyed certain episodes of, a lot of music talk. There's a great episode with Win Butler, uh, yep. about recording his album in New Orleans and and living in New Orleans. Really good one. Um, but I was driving home from dropping the kids at school and who should appear on the latest episode but Ziggy Marley, who's just put out uh, oh, wow. a new book of photographs of his father, Bob Marley. Um, but he was talking to Malcolm Gladwell about Jamaica in the 70s. And uh, weirdly, uh, like, he kind of laid out some of the, like, political, like, the political scene and how Bob Marley fit. And it is just, was, like, the perfect primer for That's great. this book that I'm reading. So it's just really great uh, synchronicity. And really, you know, I was, I put on some, like, there's this band called The Mighty Diamonds that got referenced in the book. So I put them on the sound system and it was just, like totally inhabiting this headspace uh and it all started with the uh, marlin and jake read dead people so that's great i am we should that. say i guess that a brief history of seven killings i don't think we said this at the top is a novel about the attempted assassination of uh, bob marley which was a real thing that happened that i was unaware of um, and then this is a kind of a novelization around it. And actually, if you read interviews with Marlon James, he, uh, he did a lot of research. He did a lot of digging and he was concerned at some point, I think that he was going to be killed in Jamaica for having written the novel. Hmm. So wow. it's, you know, it's not nonfiction, but it's maybe a little deep. Well, or at least he says it's a little too close for comfort. Um, yeah. Wow. yeah. The book that I heard about on that, uh, Marlon Jake, talk about dead authors. I forget the title. Read Dead um, People. Read Dead, read dead People. <laughs> uh, we Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson, which I had never read and never heard of. Shirley Jackson, yes. It is now, fantastic like, and creepy. Okay, they were, I, st- I haven't read it, but I heard that episode, and they are discussing this woman, Shirley Jackson, as she's a famous, renowned writer. I never heard of her in my life. So you've probably heard of her story, The Lottery, which was published in The New Yorker, and it is maybe one of the most famous stories ever published in The New Yorker, and it got all sorts of letters and people 
uh, were uncomfortable with it because it was gruesome and very dark and published in like the 40s. Um, so you may have heard of that story, or if you read that story, you may be familiar with it. I had never read her novels, um, and but that We Have Always Lived in the Castle was fantastic. Hmm, cool beans. Uh, really, like one of the best books I've read, yeah. And you may have discussed that on the podcast, too. Maybe. Who knows? It's all coming Who back. Knows? I'm, just, I'm, I'm nine months behind you, Adam. I apologize. <laughs> yep. I've been meaning to ask you on our on our blog you wrote in your what's on ted's desk about your nanami river notebook and you referred to using the book as a log book and i was wondering for you what does using that book as a log book mean compared to what you do with your pocket notebook yeah no i i I, you you tweeted a quote from a, a recent uh New York Times Magazine article about artist Ronnie Horn, uh, where she said, I like the word log as opposed to diary or journal. I'm not telling you what I'm doing every day, but when you add all of these bits together, you get my sensibility. And, uh, you know, I think what I've, I've found with the Nanami Seven Seas writer, it's a beautiful notebook to write in. I've got a lovely pen to write in. And I think, you know, when I sit down to write in it, um, it's, it's sort of like, oh, what you're setting yourself up to do. And I, I think I set myself up to log the interesting things, uh, around me in slightly longer form than I would do in my pocket notebook. Um, but I think, yeah, I think what Ronnie Horn is noting is that, uh, you know, a diary or a journal has a kind of emotional, uh, implication to it that you're going to somehow kind of uh, capture the the roller coaster ride of of life and and detail the various entanglements and you know opinions you have that oh perhaps you you'll close the tiny little padlock on it and no one will ever know these secret missives and I don't really that's not really how I roll like I the idea of a log is a little more kind of a little more like here's what happened and and i do you know i think what i said in the blog post is that uh the pleasant side effect of of keeping a log is the cumulative nature of it and um you know one thing i've always noticed especially of late is that put a date on it and you will surprise yourself not very far into the future at how interesting it is to read something, even that's just a log of, you know, a few activities. Now, I think all of this said, I, I'm a person who kind of constantly needs to push myself to offer more opinions when I'm writing things down, to reflect more on relationships and, you know, how I felt at the time that something was happening. I tend to be a little more uh, stoic, to misuse that term, um, in my writing style. So I do try and I do try and pepper it with kind of the feeling of being in an experience. Um, not my tendency, but I think log is the, it's just a calling it a log book or a log is a, is a way of setting yourself up differently for what you expect of yourself when you sit down at a blank page with a pen. I, I think it's interesting that you're using that like Nanami paper to write, you know, Wednesday, chicken Caesar wrap again. 
<laughs> I'm not. I, I'm, ex- I'm demanding a bit more of myself. But I'm sitting down and I'm saying, okay, what happened to me today? Well, let's see. So it's went to baseball practice. And then, you know, I think the hope is that as I, you know, depending how much time I spend, that I will in that in that exercise, I will recall an anecdote or a fun detail and end up writing that down. But I'm not necessarily saying, you know, oh, I just had to get this down. You know, that George said the most insulting thing to me today. And it's the eighth (laughs) time he's done, you know. It's a different expectation. It would be great if your logbook was all like um, like Seinfeld recaps told from different points of view. <laughs> uh, my son. But, but I mean, I think it's so. It's more like a. It's more like a like a captain's log, really. I mean, I think that's it's that's a starting point because that's a very um, low pressure way to write. And I, you know, I keep going back to the fancy pen and paper. But the impetus is this is so nice to write on that it's, you know, I'm just giving myself an excuse to open this heavy book and just put words down. And it's it's not it's not the pressure of I have a wonderful anecdote to share with myself for the for the record books, you know, for all eternity and for posterity. It's let me start with a log of my day just. First and foremost, because I want to write with this pen because it's so nice. Um, and right. then I'll see where it goes. And, you know, I, I think the idea of that adding up is really compelling to me. Because you might even feel like, and I frequently feel like, oh, I didn't get too far. I got distracted or I got tired. But, you know, a paragraph describing your own life with a date on it is a pretty powerful, um, is a pretty powerful little data point. And... And if you're looking at it as a logbook, then that's a that's a win. You logged something from that day. It doesn't have to be, you know, yeah. uh, Moby Dick. I um, the thing you were saying about the, you know, the pages kind of stacking up, or the dates stacking up, and how that can very quickly become meaningful. I've been using the standard memorandum notebook all all year so far. So ten weeks of them now. And I've already, and so for folks that don't know what that looks like, it's actually like half the size of your typical um, pocket notebook. It's tall and narrow, and there's um, basically a week on each uh, on each page. So when it's open, you're looking at two weeks, and you've got five small lines, maybe four small lines for each one, and just trying to cram a little something in there. And, you know, it's... Uh, I was making the joke about your uh, imaginary chicken Caesar wraps, but for a while, uh, when you're when you're, uh, you can find yourself suddenly. We w- we would write in our diaries and our family at the dinner table, and so often we were writing about dinner. But it has um, developed into something, you know, for lack of a better word, wilder. Strange quotes, uh, actually writing less, but like like one very. <laughs> emotional sentence or something like the last week like horrible migraine threw up and then I wrote the possible triggers down but I like when it can become all sorts of when something like that becomes all sorts of different things and and I think the reason I was asking about your logbook is because like you to some extent maybe like our listeners like I read that you were doing this daily logbook and I'm thinking like oh this is great I I could find something like that and I could have a third notebook running every day for a slightly different purpose so that I can use some new paper and use a new pen. And like, 
I'll write a small sentence in my standard memorandum, and then I'll go to the fancy thing and write with a, you know, with a fountain pen, just like looking for every excuse <laughs> to use a new notebook for a new reason. hundred percent. hundred percent. And, and it adds up. That's the great yep. part. It adds up. You never, you never regret writing a few things down. And I think what you come up with, uh, can vary widely, you know, from what you're squeezing into the little section of the standard memorandum versus what you're scratching out on a, in a, in a pocket notebook that's kind of, you know, tucked in the palm of your hand and you're maybe you're balancing in funny versus when you take out a big old substantial notebook, uh, not that you have to treat with kid gloves, but that you have to sit down, you have to open it, you have to, you want to get a nice pen, you're not just grabbing one out of the jar. Those are three different ways that your brain is interacting with the paper and your hand and the world. And I, I think it's worthwhile, um, you know, for, for all of the, every, every act of resistance against, you know, screens and, uh, and kind of um, amusements and entertainments that are laid out for us, which I love, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I think uh, I think sitting down with different kinds of paper and different ways of interacting with that paper is really important. Well, on that note of the uh, love of analog products and any excuse to avoid a screen, Ted, do you want to refer people to our website and Twitter account? Yeah. Uh, TakeNote.space is our website. Uh, there's content there that you can only find in digital form, not available in print. <laughs> uh, but some great blog posts of late. Adam's been working hard. Um, and you can sign up for our occasional newsletter of prompts and writing. Uh, and go to Twitter. Find us at twitter.com slash takenotepod. And we will see you when we see you.